Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. It's Friday and there's a ton of news happening. Um, there's the little matter of the elections happening on Tuesday. And the latest, Dr. Oz is now leading John Fetterman in the real clear politics averages of polls that hasn't happened until right now. Here we are post-debate. And is the debate finally catching up with John Fetterman? But this morning, Fetterman is celebrating an endorsement from California billionaire Oprah Winfrey. She helped make Dr. Oz, but has now completely abandoned him, sticking the knife in and backing his Democratic competitor. Um, Will that help? In an election where the top issue is whether people can afford to buy groceries. Seriously, is there any Oprah effect left over? Honestly, it's not 2008 with Barack Obama running when she endorsed him over the woman, Hillary, even though women had made her entire career. Um, It's 2022. I don't know. Is there an Oprah effect or isn't there in the state of Pennsylvania? We'll find out. Uh, And with just days before the election, the left is absolutely losing its mind. The messaging coming out of these leftists is genuinely upsetting. It's offensive. It's disgusting. Like The View's Sonny Hostin, who decided now would be a good time to compare white women who dare to vote Republican to cockroaches. They're like cockroaches voting for a raid. Can you imagine if anybody else said that? Can you imagine if a white woman said that about black voters voting a certain way? It's absolutely disgusting. Over at MSNBC, historian Michael Beschloss said that if the GOP wins next Tuesday, children are going to die. Okay. Oh, oh God, this is good to know. Glad I listened to him. <laughs> We've got two of the most outspoken political minds in the country to react to all of this hysteria. Dana Lash and Jason Whitlock. Very excited to have them both. We begin with Jason, who is host of Fearless with Jason Whitlock, and he truly is on Blaze TV um, regarding the firestorm engulfing the NBA this morning. Jason, how are you? Great to have you back. I'm great, Megan. Thank you for having me. All right. Actually, we'll get to the NBA in one second. But can I just ask you about the Oprah thing? What do you think of that? Like, it's not 2008. I just don't know. Are people going to do what Oprah tells them to do? No. Uh, what does she even know? Well, I guess she knows Dr. Oz, but what does she know about Pennsylvania and things like that? I, I, I don't think it makes a hill of beans, a difference who Oprah supports at this point. She, her platform isn't as persuasive as it was in 2008 as it relates to Barack Obama. And I just, with all the health issues Fetterman has, I'm not sure how anybody in their right mind could endorse him. Mm. And well, it's like, so she knows Dr. Oz. She backed Dr. Oz for 20 years. Like, she can't come out now and say he's no good. Like she, if he was no good, why was she in business with him? Why did she help launch his career? Why, why was she such an endorser of his? Well, I'm sure this comes down to in Oprah's mind and her supporters and the people that probably pushed her to do this. Fetterman could cast a deciding vote in codifying Roe Wade as the standard and probably it's probably all abortion related. And, you know, that's the Democrats platform. Killing babies Mm -hmm. is their platform. And Mm -hmm. Oprah's in support of that platform. It's crazy because, um, you know, we'll get to Sonny Hostin, too, but she came out and claimed to be pro-life. But she's out there calling women who vote for Republicans 
cockroaches voting for raid. It's like so abortion really actually isn't the driving issue for millions and millions of Americans, including women, including women of childbirthing age. Um, and it seems like many on the left can't quite comprehend that. All right, let, let's move on. I'm dying. I, I've been dying to talk to you about Tom Brady, but there's a, a bigger controversy engulfing the sports world that we've got to start with. And that is Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving, Kanye, of course, is in the news. We'll talk about that, too, for um, his comments about Jewish people over and over and over. Now, Kyrie Irving kind of steps in the same bowl of hot water by tweeting out. Started with just one tweet, really hasn't said anything other than refusing to apologize until late last night. He just tweeted out a tweet that promoted this movie. uh, What is it? Hebrews. Against Negroes, Negroes, Hebrews. Okay, so um, I guess it's controversial. (laughs) I haven't seen it. I know you tried to watch it, but that's all he did. And now all hell has rained down on him. And he has officially been suspended from the Nets, from the NBA, NBA unpaid for at least five games. So um, what they're saying is that he hasn't specifically apologized. And when he faced the press yesterday, he wasn't directly apologetic enough. Again, late last night, he did write down the words, I apologize. It's getting very arm twisty. Um, But here's what he said and didn't say that led to his five game suspension. Again, this is from yesterday at SOT1. Are you sorry for the hurt that your post caused people? I take my responsibility for posting that. Some things that were questionable in there, untrue. Like I said, in the first time you guys asked me when I was sitting on that stage, I don't believe everything that everybody posts. It's a documentary. So I take my responsibility. Adam Silver wanted to hear the word, I apologize, or in your mind, you said I didn't mean to cause any harm. Were you apologizing or you not apologize? I didn't mean to cause any harm. I'm not the one that made the documentary. What, what are the specific things in the documentary that you don't believe are true and that you don't believe represent your morals? I think uh, some of the criticism of the Jewish faith in the community, for sure. Some points made in there that were uh, unfortunate. You have any anti-Semitic beliefs? Again, I'm going to repeat. I don't know how the label becomes justified because you guys ask me the same questions over and over again. But this is not going to turn into a spin around cycle of questions upon questions. I told you guys how I felt. I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I think what people want to hear though is yes or no on that question. Yes or no. I, I cannot be anti-Semitic. If I know where I come from. Hmm. By the way, the name of the film was Hebrews to Negroes, colon, wake up black America. So after that, he got punished. And then on Instagram late last night, he wrote the words, I apologize and went on from there. What do we make about all this? Uh, I, I this is absurd that I follow Con, uh, Kyrie uh, Irving on Twitter and Instagram, uh, the Hebrews to Negroes documentary. When he tweeted that out, I had no idea. It, I, you know, over Twitter, I follow five, six hundred people. I, I can't, other than what I tweet, I can't keep up with anybody else and what they tweet. And if I had saw the tweet, I wouldn't know what he was talking about. Hmm. And so it's the controversy and the pretending of offense. 
that has driven attention to this documentary. And that's the only reason why I attempted to watch it. It's three and a half hours. I watched about 75 minutes of it. The thing is awful in, in terms of quality. It's impossible to understand what's going on. It's not compelling. It's boring. I was forcing myself to watch it. I never, in the 75 minutes I saw, uh, as much as I could follow, I couldn't find anything anti-Semitic in it. But most people haven't watched the documentary, won't watch the documentary. If they make the mistake of watching the documentary, they're going to be bored out of their mind and mm -hmm. fall asleep. It's a harmless documentary. The controversy uh, is if there's anything causing harm, it's the controversy and the uh, overreaction to a man putting out a tweet about a documentary that they're always oh, got four million followers. I can guarantee you three point nine nine million of them either didn't see it or didn't know what he was tweeting about. And they certainly weren't going, oh, well, Kyrie tweeted out this documentary. I better go watch it. That's not how Twitter works. Everybody knows that there's a game being played to silence Ky uh, Kyrie Irving. And in my view, it's about his stance on vaccines and COVID. Mm -hmm. and, and he wouldn't play ball with the NBA and hop on board with Big Pharma as it relates to the vaccine. Big Pharma controls television. They're doing most advertising in television. And Big Pharma wants Connie, Kyrie Irving and everybody else to comply and obey and hop on board with whatever messaging they want to put out and he won't do it. And so they figured out a way to get revenge on this guy. And it's through this ginned up controversy about a documentary that no one, no one has watched. I haven't watched it. I mean, you, if you've watched 75 minutes of this three and a half hour thing, you've watched a hell of a lot more than I have or most of the people yeah. weighing in on this have. We're told it's anti-Semitic. Maybe that's true. Maybe they get to that in hour three. Um, but he he's all he did. He didn't endorse the film. He just tweeted out the link to the film, which you pointed out in a piece. It has been released by Amazon like you can get it right now on Amazon. Um, he yesterday, again, was very he wasn't apologetic. He was kind of like, look, you know, I didn't exactly mean offense, but I tweeted it out. And, you know, you keep asking me these uh, to, to weigh in on these words, like trying to label me is basically what he's saying. And I don't accept your label. And, it, you know, it's like shades of Kanye who found himself in a similar uh, situation and was kind of like, I don't accept your labels. But Kyrie's done very little compared to all the statements Kanye's made. Here's just a little bit more of Kyrie Irving yesterday sounding off about himself. This is kind of interesting. Sot too. I'm just here to continue to expose things that our world continues to put in darkness. I'm a light. I'm a beacon of light. You guys investigate my life every day. And you justify it by serving your own purpose, which I honor. I would like the same respect in return, figuring out just like anyone else. So please keep that same energy when we're talking about anti-other things, because just because I post a documentary doesn't mean I'm anti-Semitic and doesn't mean that I'm automatically standing with everyone that is believing in that. So it's unfortunate timing that we're in, but I'm glad that I could stand on the truth because I'm not afraid of these mics, these cameras. I used to be looking everyone in the eye and telling them the truth that I'm proud of who I am. Any label that you put on me 
I'm able to dismiss because I study. I know the Oxford Dictionary, you look it up, right? It's one of the biggest mistakes I had in being a kid was not knowing European or Western language until I started looking it up and understanding the definitions and why they say, if you want to trick a black person, put it in a book. I was wondering my whole life why they said that. Now I'm 30 years old and I know reading is a superpower because it helps me understand where I'm going and where I come from, like a tree with roots. What's, what's going on there? Look, Kyrie Irving is most likely, although he has not stated it directly, uh, he's a follower of the Black Hebrew Israelites. And that's a religious sect, a group, it's kind of disjointed, that believes American Black people are the true Jews. It's not a belief uh, that I share or find accurate or even relevant, but this man and these people have the right to believe whatever they want to believe. This country was founded on freedom, religious freedom. You know, I, yesterday on my show, I talked about Patrick Henry and how uh, his statements about his Christian faith and how this nation was founded on Christian principles. But, and, and that's why we grant religious freedoms to everyone else. You can believe whatever you want, far-fetched, as stupid as you want to be, you can do it. That's what America has been about and needs to remain to be about, because it's a slippery slope we're going down. If if people get to the well, that's out of bounds. You can't believe that. We're already seeing the slippery slope. If you think that something screwy went on with the 2020 elections, you're not allowed to think that. Mm. And 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 we're going to come up with this false narrative that January 6th was as bad as Pearl Harbor and it's one of the worst days in the history. And we're going to put people in jail for years over a mostly peaceful protest for people who think that the election wasn't up and up, on the up and up. And people should be allowed to think that. Ashley Babbitt shouldn't have been killed because she thought that. And so... This this slope and, and those of us that uh, call ourselves and again, I, I'm not those of us is a tricky word for me. But anyway, people that are uh, political conservatives, Trump supporters, it, it, it's like they want us and those because I am a Trump supporter, although I've never voted. I am a Trump supporter and I could care less who that bothers. Everything Donald Trump does, I don't agree with. And so I'm sure uh, that Ky uh, that Kyrie has the right to his Black Hebrew Israelite views or what he thinks about that documentary. He doesn't have to believe every word in it. He can take out what the stuff that he thinks is appropriate and good for him and support that the same as I do when I support Donald Trump. Would I, would I prefer Donald Trump do less things over Twitter and uh, have this position or that position? But overall, I support Donald Trump. I'll take all the bad because I think it's outweighed, in my view, by the good. He probably feels that way about his religion. And, and so I'm a lifelong Christian. I used to go to Lewis to hear Louis Farrakhan sermons when I was in college. I didn't endorse everything Louis Farrakhan said. Louis Farrakhan would be talking about white people are the devil. And at the time, I had a white girlfriend. I didn't believe, I didn't think white people are the devil, 
But what I did like about Louis Farrakhan is he kept telling black men to take responsibility for your communities, your family, yourself, quit looking for handouts and stand up and be a man. That attracted me to him. As a Christian, lifelong, a Christian now, he had some repugnant thoughts, but there were some things that, that he did believe in that I certainly believe in to this day. Men need to take responsibility for themselves, their families, their children, their communities. And they need to stand up and quit being cowards and quit begging and looking for the government to take care of. It, that, so I, I'm going to defend Kyrie Irving uh, and, and his right to think whatever he wants and to practice whatever religion he wants, because one day they're going to come after my religion. Mm, well, one, one day. <laughs> um, the... I hate quoting the ADL because they've just turned into a left wing mouthpiece. This is the group. Uh, yeah, the Democrat remember, Party. That, yeah. yeah, this is the group that labeled Ben Carson a terrorist. Um, yeah. But mm -hmm. for what it's worth, they say black Hebrew Israelites are not the same as black Jews or Jews of color. And they they point out not all black Hebrew Israelite organizations are anti-Semitic or extremists. So maybe he's a black Hebrew Israelite who's not anti-Semitic. I don't know. All I know is he tweeted out a link to a movie, at least the first 75 minutes of which you've seen and do not think are anti-Semitic. And I presume if you saw it, you would call it out. Um, so he wants and he he went on camera and said, I posted a documentary. We just played the side. It doesn't mean I'm anti-Semitic and it doesn't mean I'm automatically standing with everyone that's believing in that. And he actually went on to say in that quote that he he doesn't agree with everything in there. And they said, what do you think well, specifically you don't believe that or doesn't represent your morals? I think some of the criticism of the Jewish faith in the community, for sure. Some points made in there were unfortunate. So we really don't know. But we're really parsing this guy down. My God. It's like, well, what exactly do you believe? What don't you believe? Say, say it this way. Facts. Say it exactly how we want it's you to say facts. it. Right. It's the vax. It's all a smokescreen. So you don't think he'd be getting this if he were pro-vax. And Big Pharma's in bed with all these sports leagues. And look, the reason why no one is challenging Amazon on this, Amazon's big television advertiser. It's a trillion dollar uh, global corporation. The, the, the NBA is not going to cross Amazon because they want those advertising dollars. That's why they're not going to hold Amazon responsible. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, isn't saying, hey, well, Amazon, this documentary is anti-Semitic. It's on your platform. You're profiting from it. They're not asking Amazon to take it down, they're going after the NBA player who refused to take the vax, has been proven right for not taking the vax. Mm -hmm. And what they're trying to do is send a message to the rest of the players in that league. Don't you follow Kanye, uh, Kyrie's lead. Don't you uh, uh, start having a mind of your own and not obeying the orders we uh, hand down. We're paying you, as Charles Barkley said, and Charles Barkley is a friend of mine. I love Charles Barkley, but his criticism of Kanye was idiotic. Let me play that, Jason, just so that you get the audience up to speed. Because we, we, we have Charles Barkley. Um, so we'll play that. I do want to point out Amazon, they banned uh, What Killed Michael Brown, the film by Shelby and Eli Steele. So that was a bridge Great too movie. far for Amazon. Great documentary. Right? I watched all of that. Amazing, right? That was that was too much. But I guess this one's fine. Um, but it's also the reason why Kyrie can't play for for five games. Here's what Charles Barkley said. However, he's on a different page. Sot three. I think the NBA dropped the ball. 
Uh, I think he should have been suspended. Uh, I think Adam should have suspended him. First of all, Adam's Jewish. You can't take my $40 million and insult my religion. We have suspended people and fined people who have made homophobic slurs. Uh, and that, that was the right thing to do. I think if you insult the, uh, the black community, you should be suspended or fined heavily, depending. I saw they did the same thing to the kid in Minnesota this year when he made the gay slur. I think you should get suspended or fined. I blame the NBA. He should have been suspended. And their conversations are continuing with the Brooklyn Nets. It's too late now. If one of our players do something, they have the right, the team or the, the, or the league has to do something immediately. If you just get, give in to peer pressure, that's the problem I have. This should have been handled already. Let me ask you a quick question, Jason. If Kyrie Irving had said, you know, I hate Jewish people, um, or, you know, Jewish people are, and then insert one of the horrible terms that have traditionally been used by Jew- Jewish haters. Would you agree with what Charles Barkley said? Would you agree that that kind of an opinion is fairly punished by the NBA and the Nets? Yes. As a Nets employee, if he had said something abhorrently anti-Semitic, if he had made some kind of public statement like that, yes, he should. That's embarrassing to the organization. It puts the organization in the middle of a controversy. Uh, it has it will offend uh, some of their season ticket holders and fans. Uh, yes, they'd have every right to discipline him. So we're arguing over whether he did. I mean, like whether he did. I wonder whether Charles Barkley has watched that film. Well, first of all, if there are offensive things in the film, and I'll take the people that made it all the way through and say <laughs> there's some things in there that are offensive. I don't care. There are offensive things in virtually all movies. I, I trust me, I go to movies and, and many of them I walk out of because there are things that bother me in them. The LGBTQ transgender stuff that's now being forced in the narratives of every nearly every show. I find it offensive. I don't want it taken down. I just choose not to engage and indulge in it myself. I don't want the people that made the movies. I don't want them shut down. I don't I, I don't I don't want them deplatformed. It's just not for me. You know, we talked recently about the cancellation of Trevor Noah and relived some of his best slash worst hits. And the Catholic Church was a favorite of his. He reduced my church to the priest scandal and nothing more over and over and over. Uh, He didn't get canceled for that. He got celebrated for it. Now, and, and nor would I expect him to be canceled for that. But you had a piece up talking about Bill Maher and his film, Religious. I think that's that was what it was yeah. called. I saw it completely ripping on the Catholic faith, among others. I think he took shot at the, the Mormons. Never mind Book of Mormons, which is a show, very popular show on Broadway, which I've also seen. It's hilarious. It absolutely pillories the Mormon faith, as Bill Maher's film did, the Christian faith. You know, most of us can kind of laugh, but there is a difference, I guess, you know, between parody and humor and something more nefarious with an evil tone. And again, I don't know whether this film does that, but but the point is that art has taken evil, nasty shots at religion for a long, long time. Bill Maher is one of my favorite comedians. We don't agree politically. Uh, I certainly... You know, as a Christian, I've written about 
his uh, shots. You know, at one point he called all Christians deluded or delusional. Uh, you know, I, I've certainly written about that, but I've never lost any respect for him. Uh, never lost my enjoyment of his show. And during the Trump years, it was really hard to stick with the guy because, you know, he's got a bad case of Trump derangement. But but I've never wanted him deplatformed. Uh, he has a right to have his opinions. I disagree with him. I'd rather, rather than censor people, I would rather engage, debate, defend my positions. That That's how we keep America strong. If we're going to go down this line, this path of, hey, these are thoughts you cannot have, mm. man, I, I it's going to get all of us, all the people clapping their hands. Eventually, their thoughts are going to be made to be illegal and repugnant, and you can't be associated well, with this person or that person. The other thing is, OK, let's do women next. Let's let's line up the NBA players, the NFL players, for that matter. Let's do MLB and let's let's talk about their views on women. <laughs> and see whether they pass the same test when it comes to their views on the ladies and not to mention crimes that a lot of these guys have been accused of and in some cases convicted of. That's fine. Right. Like so many times we've seen these organizations cover for these guys when they beat up their wife or they beat up their girlfriend or they were accused of an attempted murder. It, no problem. But this like, OK, he tweets out a link to a movie that's controversial. It just seems like and and I do think the vax probably had something to do with it. But I also think the fact that it came on the heels of the Kanye controversy um, set him up for this. Now, you tell me, because I look at that situation and I find that a lot harder to defend, though I know you have defended Kanye in a way. Um and I had a conversation with Jeremy Boring of Daily Wire about this a week ago today, and he was kind of saying, look, the initial tweets, OK, they weren't they weren't great, but I can see how you might have thought, all right, he wasn't wasn't perfectly worded, but let's move on. But he's just so he's doubled down and tripled down and quadrupled down and quintupled down on his comments about Jews so many times now. You know, he's shown us that this is a real belief he has. I don't put him in the Kyrie Ir Irving lane. I don't know Kyrie's lane. But Kanye's made pretty clear, in my view, he's got some very unfortunate and prejudicial views about Jewish people. Am I wrong? Do you not see it that way now? No, I don't see it that way. Um, I, I think Kanye is inarticulate, as are most rappers. Uh, I, I think they uh, make generalizations and constantly in music. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, someone arguing that uh, Jewish, secular Jews have an outsized influence in the music industry. I don't find that a trope or anti-Semitic. I, I, I find it more factual. What does their religion have to do with it? What does their religion have to do with it? And, well, it's not about their religion because we're really talking about secular Jews and they're not religious. it then? Right. Like so, if, if you were like the people who control the media industry or the music industry are awful and they don't treat black men fairly. Nobody would have you know, people, people might have said, oh, you're right or you're not right. But it, no one would have accused him of being a bigot. The fact that he keeps bringing re religion into it is what led them there. I don't think he feels like he's bringing religion into it because I think he thinks he's talking about secular people who don't believe in God. 
I, I think that's what he thinks. But then why does he I, say I, that? He keeps mentioning Jewish, I, Jewish, Jewish. Well, uh, I can't specifically answer that question. I know I've heard people say, what are we talking about Jewish? Either you're a Jew or you're a not or you're not. Uh, but I, I can't answer that specific question. I can just say that Dave Chappelle uh, went down this path in his closer Netflix comedy deal about what he believes are his interactions with his Jewish, the Jewish people he's worked with in Hollywood. Uh, and now Kanye comes in right behind him and now Kyrie Irving. And I don't think the solution is uh, to label these people under somewhere. Well, we can't even engage with them. They're anti-Semitic. We can't. Again, I'm for defending my positions and my beliefs. And I will engage with anybody. Someone wants to say, Hey, uh, black people, your murder rate in your communities are astronomical. I'm not going to call that a trope. I'm not going to say it's racist. I'm going to deal with that. And we need to deal with that. And so, you know, Ben Shapiro is came up, facts don't care about your feelings. Uh, I believe in that. And I believe that we should engage in any conversation, no matter how potentially hurtful or people's sensitivities, feelings or whatever, if it's based in some sort of truth or if it's not based in some sort, of, come with the truth. The light will, will root out the darkness. The truth will prevail. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid of any of these conversations. We shouldn't just be completely dismissive of people and their experiences uh, in Hollywood I, I I just don't I just don't find what Kanye has done beyond the pale. I disagree with Ch JP Morgan Chase shutting him down. I disagree with all the cancellation of, of Kanye West because he speaks inarticulate and 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 in particular for me as a black person, I've listened to music denigrate black people for 40 straight years all of this rap, hip hop, and I've listened to executives and the people in power in the music industry defend this, mm, defend this in. garbage music that does real harm and denigrates Black people. And Kanye's tweets and some mm. interviews with Lex, this is the bridge too far. I mean, when again, I, not to mention I, women. <laughs> Let's talk yeah, about oh, rap question. Messages without question, on women. I, I'm no listening problem. to rappers say, and Megan, I, you know, I don't want to offend your audience or do something that's outside the lines, but this is what they rap about. I hate niggas. I'm a Nazi. Days low, very popular song. Celebrate. This is a female black rapper. Videoed everything. I'm looking at Snoop Dogg. Murder was the case. A satanic song about making a deal with the devil. And you can represent the Crips and the Bloods and gangs that slaughter Black people in Black communities. You can make all kinds of music celebrating that, and no one says a word. Mm. Kanye tweets out something inarticulate, inartful, and, and the world must come to a stop. I, I, I just can't go there. I, I just, That's and, fascinating. And, you know, That's fascinating. I, 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 I just... 
I just I can't it. go there. Let me squeeze in a quick break and we'll pick up this discussion on the opposite yeah. side. I, I love talking to you because you always, you just come at every story from a different angle. This is why they call you fearless. More of the Jason Whitlock right after this. Don't go away. All right, let me just take a second, if you don't mind, uh, to dive into the Kanye remarks, because I do think it matters. I don't think that the side of reason should get so sick of cancellation and all the nonsense that's invented that we're not able to call out, you know, bigotry if and when we see it. Right. Like we have to be able to say, all right, that's a bridge too far. And it's not just I know you refer to the secular elites, but like coming after Kanye. I mean, when Ben Shapiro, he's not a secular elite. You know, he's he's a Jewish man. He's an Orthodox uh, Jewish man who's not in any way pro cancel culture. And he's been calling out Kanye. And I understand why. I mean, Kanye made the original tweets about I'm going to death con three on the Jewish people. And since then, there's just a couple of hits that my team refreshed me on. He repeatedly blamed Jewish Zionists for his problems, including his issues with ex-wife Kim Kardashian and the bad press coverage he received over his tweets and statements, blamed his bad publicity on the, quote, Jewish underground media mafia, blamed his separation from Kim, in part, unquote, Zionist media handlers surrounding her. Um now it comes out. And I know you you wrote a piece about a CNN piece quoting some anonymous employee who allegedly sued him. I'm not going to go there because I don't it's not fair to him to talk about some anonymous employee who came out and broke a nondisclosure. Like, no, we're not doing that. But um, he's on camera talking about how a Jewish doctor misdiagnosed him um, here. We'll play that. And then and then there's a second soundbite that I'm going to show, too. So here he is talking about a Jewish doctor drove me to a point of exhaustion, which was misdiagnosed by a, I'm not going to say what race, what people, uh, doctor and what hospital and what media went to. We know I can't say that. It was a Jewish doctor that diagnosed me of having a disorder that would have had me on medication right now. At a time like this, if I was on medication right now, then one pill could have been swapped out and it would be Michael Jackson and Prince all over again. Honestly, that is there, there's no way around it. Like, why would he raise the doctor's religion? Why? I think uh, if someone said that. Jason Whitlock, a black man, wrote X, Y, and Z, I, I wouldn't be offended. And if they said Jason Whitlock, a Christian black man, wrote X, Y, and Z, I, I wouldn't be offended. Kanye, like most of America, most overwhelming majority of America, has been programmed and trained into this racial idolatry and ethnic idolatry and idolatry is at the root of all sin kanye west is flawed there's no question about it he's flawed and he lives in an idolatrous society that has made idols <clears throat> out of our skin color our our politics virtually everything i food was an idol of mine and that's why i would 
have been so overweight and and it's just all these things we've placed as important and so he's speaking in a very idolatrous way that i find commonplace in america but what do you mean uh, idolatrous of what i i was with you until there we do i idolize identity now anything can be an idol and so they've identity politics is just idolatry run amok and so he, he's responding and acting in the way that all of us have been programmed over the last 60 years to to when you see a person you don't see an image bearer of god you don't see a, a brother in in christ or god whatever you, you don't look at people as human beings you start well what is their identity well he's black he's white he's jewish he's italian he's this he's that and so he's talking in a way that has been normalized in modern culture. Uh, again, I find it sinful. I find it inappropriate, uh, but I don't find it uncommon. And so uh, that, that may fact, be true. If, if someone says that Daryl Brooks, a black man, drove through Waukesha and killed a bunch of white people, they're just speaking facts. And so if he's if his and I don't know because I don't know the details of Kanye's life, but if a Jewish doctor did that or did whatever he's claiming, I, I just don't find That's it beyond the though. I find it That's very different. That's different because the Waukesha thing happened on the heels of the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, which in which they injected race repeatedly. They they had him yeah. killing three black men, which was a lie. Kyle shot three white yeah. men, only one of whom died. Um, but, you know, the left had injected race into that trial in a way that was wrong and incendiary. And then right after that, in Wisconsin, where this all took place, we had a black man mow down a bunch of mostly white people. I think it was all white people. I have to go back and check at this Christmas parade. So race you could make the case was relevant there. What was the motivation? This guy had written about a bunch of stuff um, that was angry about whites before he did the act and so on. That's this guy's religion. The the doctor's religion has zero to do with any misdiagnosis. To raise it is to betray, to 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 show your own bias. I buy that one. I've got to tell you, like, I'm I'd be happy to defend Kanye if I felt the facts warranted it. But to raise it there is is to espouse and show your own bias. And he's Jewish. That's how it sounds. He's Jewish. Like there's a there's a negative judgment attached to it, which is not what really the, the identity politics po people are doing. Um, although sometimes you they make will, a fair point, Megan. But but you what know? I'll I'll say is that I think we all have biases. We've all been programmed to have biases. Kanye's biases, uh, again, for me to be hypercritical of them, I would have to say that I'm incapable of having those biases. And I'm not incapable. And I know plenty. And again, I'm not even I'm not reducing that to anti-Semitism or anti-Jew hate, but there's no sin that gets done that I'm not capable of doing. And, and, and so I've seen people, my father was uh, racist towards white people. He did not like white people. I love my father. My father was a great person. I wish that he had got moved beyond his racism and racial idolatry, but, Again, I'm, I'm going to say 
we're in America, people are going to think and say inappropriate things. True. True, I'm but they can also face consequences. I'm, like I'm that, just not. I'm like not, if Kanye came out and said the terrible stuff. I don't want, and, I don't want Kanye I, I get that. But what what should the consequences be? Like he's been talked to repeatedly on these radio shows and so on. People trying to say, like, you try to understand what you're saying and why it's so offensive. He's not going to be talked out of these things. Why isn't it totally appropriate for Adidas to say that's not somebody we want to do business with? Uh, I I think that's if Adidas wants to go down that path, it's perfectly fine. I just want them to be consistent. And mm. so I can now find I, things. Now in you're on Kanye's, solid ground. I can find things in Kanye's music more offensive to me, yeah. more offensive to black people that he should have been canceled for. I can Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg were the Super Bowl halftime show. I know. Everybody's in bed with them. Everybody's in bed with the And so, oh, but this is the bridge too far. Him calling out a doctor that he had a bad experience with, but he can make music that can say, uh, I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but she ain't ain't messing with no broke niggas. He can do that all day and we can celebrate it and love it and nobody cancel him. Mm. That's, there's no consistency. And so if there's not going to be any consistency, we need to just shut our mouths, ignore him, tolerate it, whatever. But there's just no consistency. His, the crimes of these rappers. Snoop Dogg is like America's prince. He's, he's doing in, ads in with Martha weekend. Stewart. He's in virtually every commercial. Yes. His music is satanic. <laughs> <laughs> and we're good with it. No one's canceling it. They all want to do deals with it. And so that's where people are raising up saying, oh, and Kanye, this is too far. We're going to cancel. And and I can't knock uh, Jewish people for having a standard and for saying, you know what? No, you ain't going to talk this way about us. Uh, I I can't knock them for that. I I wish that we as black people had that kind of standard. Uh, But we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, we, we produce a lot of content, but we don't own the platforms or produce or, 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 you know, own the distribution of it and things like that. And I'm not making an excuse for anybody that participates. I've got 30 years of criticism of rap, uh, and the artist and what we've taught. I've gone after all these guys. They hate me. Snoop Dogg has threatened me all of They hate, I, I get it, but I, I'm not. For me, because I've criticized the artist, I've also criticized the producers, the owners, the distributors, mm-hmm. the people behind, the executives behind the scenes, the Leor, the Leor Cohens, who have done interviews uh, where they talk about, yeah, you know, this drug music and all that other stuff. I'm doing that to cash a check. I don't care mm-hmm. about the community. They Um, acknowledge this, not in those exact words, but again, those guys need to be called out. And what I would compel all people of faith, regardless of what kind of faith, Jewish, Christian, uh, whatever, all people of faith, we need to call these people out and everybody that's profiting off of it needs to be called out. And you don't mean these people. You're like you're not talking about Jewish people. You're talking about people who exploit 
um, for example, these rappers for all their worth, but sit back and as soon as, you know, they, they well, they pick and choose their battles while they're dining out on them. Clip, maybe I lost my train of thought. What what did I say about these people? We, you just said we need to call these people out. I'm just clear, clarifying what you mean by these people. The rappers, everybody in the music industry, the executives, the rappers, everybody that, that is profiting off of this garbage. They all need to be called out. Those of us of faith, regardless of what your faith is, you believe in God, you can recognize this music, this culture is satanic and it needs to be called out. And I'm talking about anybody that believes in, you don't have to believe in the same God as me, if, but if you have some sort of religious faith, whether it be Judaism, Christianity, Islam, whatever, we should be calling these people, the people, the, the black secular elites, the LGBT elites, the feminist secular elites, the progressive secular Jewish elites that are all perverting our culture. They should all be called out by all of us. And all we right, shouldn't what? just pick and choose, oh, well, this guy personally offended me and the group that I'm beholden to. It should be all of it because it's all satanic. All of one, uh, one quick clarification. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse killed two people and shot a third. Can I just ask you, I've got to go, so I have to keep it yep. short, but I, I'm dying to get your thoughts on Tom Brady. You wrote a great piece about him and the implosion of his marriage as his career now suffers a bit. Um, what are we to take away from the collapse of this marriage that had been so celebrated and admired? I, I I'm totally on team Giselle here, which kind of shocks me, but that, that's where I got to go. Tom Brady, <laughs> I think, has turned into a selfish entitled athlete. Uh, and I think that Giselle had every right to expect this man to retire uh, and move to a different chapter of their life where it was more about family. Uh, he's refused to do that, uh, to try to elevate his football legacy. And, and I just think it's selfish and entitled and, you know, money and fame do that to us. They make us all. And again, I could make the same kind of foolish decisions as Tom Brady, uh, but I, 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 I blame Tom. This man has won seven Super Bowls. He should be on to a different aspect of his life. He should be, you know, meeting his wife halfway on this. And, and look, I'm a patriarch. People think I'm sexist and all that other stuff. But at some point. Uh, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta compromise and you gotta mm. uh, prioritize your family. You, you've won a lot of football games, bro. Move on. Yeah. I, I can't imagine letting your marriage collapse over. Uh, yes. Okay. You're, An eight it, Super it's Bowl. your career, <laughs> but like, but yeah, exactly. He's already done all there is to do. <laughs> to me, there seems like there must be more to the story, but it's sad because they, they were held up as a couple that seemed very much in love. And uh, it just seems like a waste with, with two kids and, and, and a stepson as well. Jason, always interesting and always fearless. Love talking to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Megan. All right. And we're going to come right back with another fearless person. And that is Dana Lash. I'm joined now by Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Dana, so good to have you back. How are you? I'm good, Megan. Good to be with you. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. All right, so let's just start with this. This just hit my desk. Axios Scoop 
Trump team eyes November 14th announcement. This is by Jonathan Swan. Former President Mm -hmm. Trump's inner circle is discussing announcing the launch of a 2024 presidential campaign on November 14th. Discussions have reached the point that allies are blocking off days in their calendars for the week after the midterms and preparing to travel. He has long planned to announce shortly after the midterms, even toyed with announcing before November 8th. But now is reportedly getting ready to announce that he's in and and that reportedly is going to be on November 14th. Do we believe this? Mm. And what's your reaction to it if it's true? I think with Trump, uh, goodness, it's kind of hard to tell because I think he's gaming this, which is smart because you want to stay out of it as long as possible. And then when it it could be because I think he provides kind of some cover for some of these other candidates. But at the same time, they can't really go at him if he's not officially in the moment that he's in. He becomes the boogeyman. Everything that they're saying becomes true. I don't I'm not, I don't believe it until I see it. I until he's actually in and I see new merch rolling out. I just don't know that I'm going to believe it. And and does he really honestly want to run again? There are so many conflicting reports. People say, oh, well, I know somebody in his camp and they say he doesn't or that he does. So I think ultimately he's going to kind of which is smart. He wants to wait and see you know, what's going to happen in midterms. It's not going to be just about how many seats Republicans win. It's going to be in those areas where maybe Trump lost some momentum back in 2020. They're going to look at turnout. They're going to look and see you know, the areas where he went and campaigned for people to see what his the measure his coattails, so to speak. Yeah. So I think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that plays into it. But I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Yeah, same. And um, I mean, it's interesting, like the thought of him going first would be smart to try to dissuade anybody else. Right. Once the 800 pound gorilla is saying, I'm on it, I'm doing it. A lot of other comers would say, I'm good. I'm just going to sit back here until and unless he changes his mind. Yeah. Um, But what about the amazing endorsement of Oprah Winfrey for John Fetterman in Pennsylvania? So is it amazing, though? Isn't it amazing? I mean, it's Oprah. This is I I don't know. Does she still have the influence that she did? I just don't think she does. Hell no. And even when amongst Democrats, she's no longer their queen. It'd be bigger if Michelle Obama said, I'm telling you, get out there and do Fetterman, which I'm sure she has. But Oprah is not some kingmaker the way she used to be when Obama ran. No, she's not at all. She's not. And I even think you have to question whether or not she was a kingmaker back then, because everywhere that Barack Obama went to campaign for his midterms, everybody lost. He was toxic. I just I remember in St. Louis when Claire McCaskill was having a rally, they didn't they didn't have this big show of bringing Barack Obama in to rally for Claire McCaskill because he was considered to be kind of a downer. She was trying to present herself yeah. as this moderate and his involvement didn't help at all. He's I think good it, it getting looks kind of petty. Elected. I mean, I get it that that she doesn't have to agree with his politics. I get all of that stuff, but it's just so it's just so obvious what's going on. It just looks it it just looks kind of cringy. I mean, she's going to weigh in now. This is going to be I guess this is the Fetterman people are all excited that this is their big, you know, November, you know, pre-election push here having Oprah Winfrey weigh in, but nobody cares. Nobody has cared about Oprah Winfrey for 10 years. What she what, yeah. I don't even know what she does anymore. I mean, does she still Same. do a broadcast? I don't even know. She Nobody licks knows. the boots of Meghan so, Markle and Prince Harry. That's what she does. That's her new job. Oh, yeah. And they're in their Moncito uh, Olive Garden mansions. Yes. 
Right, right, right. So she did. I will say I, I lived the moment in which I believe she greatly helped Barack Obama win Iowa up against Hillary. It was a big moment because she had made her career, Oprah had, with women, with a female audience. And here she was. She had a white woman and a black man. And people wondered, you know, what's she going to do? And she went with the man and it helped put him over the top in Iowa. But as far as Barack Obama and, and but first of all, that was, as you point out, years ago. Nobody's even talking yeah. about Oprah other than her Megan interview in the past 10 years. She doesn't have that kind of political sway at all. And it was a big deal that right. she went political back then. Her show was still on the air. She was a much bigger deal with much bigger influence. Um, I do think you're right about Barack Obama, though. He he doesn't have coattails and he never has. He has never been able to get people over the edge. He only can get himself or he can campaign for himself like nobody's yeah. business. But he's not on the ballot. But in and do you remember too, to when he stole, they didn't steal it, but he took Howard Dean's digital fundraising apparatus. Howard Dean created this crazy he? fundraising apparatus and Netroots kind of formed around that. And then when Barack Obama left the Democrat Party, he had built on that and kind of just sort of took it with him. So they lost a lot of their tools. <laughs> So but in Pennsylvania, there is big news. I mean, for the first time, they're showing Dr. Oz, the real clear politics average in the lead. We haven't seen that throughout this entire campaign. So do we think it was the debate like it was a 10 day, you know, percolation after the debate because it didn't happen immediately? No, it was not. You're right. It did not happen immediately at all. USA Today had a really interesting read. They surveyed. It was a small sample size relatively, but they were looking at people, how they interpreted what they thought of uh, after the debate. And a lot of people were swayed. People walked into or at least, you know, rhetorically walked into the debate, I, I think kind of with their minds made up. They were more interested in seeing how each candidate performed, but they kind of had their minds made up, it seems like, because there were a lot of independents that swung over after that debate, uh, even probably some Democrats, I would imagine, because I just can't imagine the poll flipping that dramatically. Now, it's still within the margin of error. I think he's only up by like, what, two or three points. But Fetterman's lead has been dissipating over time. He I mean, when this all started, Fetterman had a double digit lead. And then you looked into August and it had dwindled down to, I think, seven points, October, five points. And then a couple of weeks but you know, before the debate or right before the debate, it was three points. And now you have now you have Oz. And that was a fairly large survey size. Now you have Oz leading. It was all because it was all because of the debate. Fetterman, they have to keep, they kind of had to do what they do with Joe Biden with with John Fetterman. He just looks and and I don't even think that this has honestly anything to do with his with his stroke recovery. I think that that further compounds the issue and people have every right to question whether or not this guy is capable of representing them in the Senate. I mean, it's just the Senate, you know, it's just billions and trillions of taxpayer dollars, you know, no big deal. But mm -hmm. they have every right to ask that. But he had problems even before this. I mean, it just amazes me that it's this close between Dr. Oz and a guy who legit ran down the first random black jogger that he saw because he heard yes. someone lighting bottle rockets off in a parking lot around the corner. And he's and he thinks, well, there's a random black jogger. I'm going to go chase him down because suddenly now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm also the law on these streets. He was never held accountable for that. He was never really held accountable for his disastrous turn as Braddock mayor. Even the Democrat city council was saying he left that city worse than he than it than it started when he got there. And he also abused the police department to gather oppo on anybody who disagreed with him so he had major issues to say nothing of the fact that this 50 something year old dude got got an allowance from his parents 
never really worked in the private sector except as an insurance agent with Chubb for like a year and a half and got an allowance from his parents, has this bougie loft that he lives in that was featured in all Design Sponge and all of these other design and architectural digital outlets. He paid a dollar for it just so he could say that he bought it. He's got issues before. I think that kind of factors into it. He cosplays as you know an everyman with his hoodie, but he's anything but. And so I think bringing some of that to the forefront helped. But the debate ultimately was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. The the fact that the left hasn't said boo about that incident with the black man who I mean, he was the original purveyor of the I'll get you because you're jogging while black Fetterman was. They couldn't care less. Forget them and their complaints about all this in other cases involving random civilians. Right. They want us to believe they care so deeply about this. They care so deeply until their politics are involved. And then you get a complete pass. If Dr. Oz had been the one on the right. You know, right end of that gun, they they kill him. It would be in advertisements every day. But because it's a Democrat who did it, he gets a total pass putting the lie to their whole fake act about how much they care about these woke issues. Yeah, I you, there could this could have been another Ahmed Aubrey incident. With John yeah, Fetterman. That's right. And that's what Democrats right. won't address. That could have exactly been this. And they just kind of skirt past it because they desperately want that seat to that extent. That's how bad they want this seat. But that's that's egregious. That whole situation is so inexcusable. No accountability for it at all whatsoever. They even did an interview with the guy afterwards. And he was saying, yeah, he actually held me at gunpoint. And Fetterman just sort of played it off like, ah, well, you know, not really. I was just doing what I could to protect my neighborhood. That is no excuse, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it that it's D different for you, but that's no excuse. Mm-hmm. And to your point about Fetterman at that debate, obviously he had massive communication issues that were hard to watch. It was uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but they haven't stopped since then. Just yesterday on Twitter, it was this clip was going around that was shocking. I mean, it was shocking. He cannot put the sentences together. He cannot put the thoughts together. See if you can make sense of this comment he made. I think it's about football, but listen. Summer of 1986. I, uh, I think... Everyone that ever plays football in, in high school was, you know, at a kind of like a trade, a trade out kind of uh, football camp, and uh, wasn't wasn't there wasn't any interest to have me come play here, you know. Oh my God, Dana. I. Don't even know what to what did I just hear? I feel like we all just got accidentally just drunk for a second. What what is that? I don't even know how to how to analyze that. That's the problem, though, because the Senate is the Senate's kind of built around debate. This is sort of a big issue. And, you know, I really reject the idea that's coming from Democrats when they say, well, you're just holding the fact that John Fetterman had a stroke against him. I mean, he had a stroke. People can serve all the time, uh, you know, even if they've had a stroke. Really ask Mark Kirk that because that was the exact reason that that he was disqualified for getting support for another run for the Senate because because people were saying that he had a stroke. So why is yeah, it different for Fetterman when it wasn't <laughs> different for Mark Kirk? I mean, that's mm-hmm. a that's a huge point that they kind of overlook. Voters have the right to question, especially when he's clearly struggling in the middle of recovery. And I think it's cruel to put the man through a stress of a campaign because it is incredibly it's stressful to run for school board anymore, much less the United States Senate while he's in the middle of a recovery. That's how I feel, too. I feel sorry for him. I'm like, just just pull the, the, the wife 
She wants to be the senator. Just pull him. Just stop it. Yeah. He can run again another she time. Power There's no reason. reason. There's no reason to be humiliating the man like this. It's just it's absurd. Um, okay, let, let's let's keep going, because the Democrats now are in a panic as they see the numbers that we're all seeing New York and elsewhere, Oregon. I mean, states that should be solidly blue are now looking awfully pink. And um, they've come up with a closing ad, a closing argument, if you will, that this is like Eric Swalwell. I am, I try never to run sots of him. I try re- never to run sots of certain certain crazies on the left and the right. And he's in my crazies on the left that I don't really want to ever platform. But I'm going to do it. He debuted it. You'll be shocked to learn on MSNBC. And you'll be further shocked at, that he did it on the Republicans show. Nicole Wallace. <laughs> you know, she's died in the wool red now. Um, right. Sure. And uh, this is so I want you to watch it and I want you to watch in particular the use of the children at the end. Here it is. Can you think of any laws that give government the power to make decisions about uh, the male body? We won't go back. We won't go back. Uh, would a 10 year old choose to carry a baby? Um, I, I, I... we are all deciding as a democratic society is who will wield power and what they will do with that power. States can't be trusted with the power to regulate concealed handguns, but they can force you to give birth to a child against your will. You cannot tell me you care about children before they're born, but you don't give a care about what happens to the child after it's born. If this court moves quickly on Justice Thomas's list of what rights they're going to abolish next, being in a same-sex marriage now means there is a target on you. And if you think that this is going to stop at Roe versus Wade... Yes, they will pass a national abortion ban. They will pass massive tax cuts for the rich. They will cut or eliminate entitlement programs. We want to destroy American institutions. This is all one final fight for the Republicans to try to regain all the power that they've lost. The most important election of our lives because we might actually lose democracy. Don't go back. We can't go back. We can't go back. We won't 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 go back. The last word on the screen, choice, democracy, and then vote. Nice, nice use of like eight-year-old girls there to clearly pro-abortion who their parents decided to stick in front of the cameras. Yeah, I I don't see why the kids are involved in this. I get that the you know Democrats like to hide behind kids as shields, but this is I don't think that that's entirely appropriate for the issues that are being discussed in here. I'm just wanting to know, Megan, who is threatening to take these things away from people? Who's talking about taking away people's social security? I mean, look, I'm all for privatization, which is not taking it away, but that's not even what Republicans are talking about. I think they're mm-hmm. actually a little bit too big government for me on that issue. But nobody's talking about taking people's social Social security away. Nobody's talking about taking anybody's anything away. You know what's happening? We're all sitting here having a brew, wondering how much more expensive turkeys are going to be going into Thanksgiving and not looking to, we, we don't have time to micromanage what everybody's doing to try to take stuff away from people. That's what Democrats do. That's not what Republicans do. It is such fear mongering and nothing that they propose. There's no solutions ever. There's never a solution. Everything that they propose is, well, the Republicans are going to take this from you. And this is what you have to live in fear of. And this is all of this bad stuff is going to happen unless you vote Democrat. That's what we heard from yeah. Joe Biden 
at his red speech part two, uh, his mulligan, which it was like a Game of Thrones thing. Uh, his his speech, whether it's Kamala Harris, whether it's Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, even out on the campaign trail. That's what they're all saying. But yet, where are the first off, they can't say anything beyond that. Secondly, notice how none of these none of these politicians are putting forward any solutions. I have yet to hear a solution from this administration. They talk about how families are going through it sort of because they want to dance away from the issue of the economy because that's where they're really hurting going into midterms. But where are their solutions? They have none. It's always fear mongering. Then they go back to the well of abortion and they go back abortion. to the well of gay marriage or something. I think a climate, all of the none of these issues are even reaching the top five or seven and in, in voter concerns and the, the they, it's like it's like a, women going to buy a car and the salesman telling you about the cup holder and lighted mirror we want to know what's under the hood we want to know what's going on with the economy <laughs> inflation gas prices get to it the thing on abortion is so dishonest because what happened was the supreme court said we're going to give this back to the states as it was this is right. not a federal constitutional right we're going to give it back to the states and so some states are going to have some laws. Some states are going to have other laws. Some states are going to ban it. Some states are going to allow it all the way through the third, the third trimester. It is the Democrats who then said that's not good enough. We want a federal law passed by the U.S. Congress that mandates that it's legal in all 50 states. Now, I, my own legal belief is that will never be upheld as constitutional. They don't have the power to do that at the congressional level. Um, so the Republicans sat back and said, no, we really think it's a state's rights issues issue. And you should take half a loaf that you've been given in all these blue states that will remain very, very legal to the very, very end. And in the more and more red states, it won't. Um, and so they had like one guy, Lindsey Graham, say, well, we could do a national a national law that makes it like a 15 week uh, limit for abortion. And it didn't have a groundswell of support. Most Republicans were like, eh. That might be a model for a state by state uh, decision, but there was no support behind Lindsey Graham's. Let's do it at the federal congressional level. The Democrats, they will pass a federal law outlawing abortion. No, it's you, you, the Democrats who want to pass a federal law, not the Republicans. They're fine with the reversal of Roe versus Wade and leaving it at the states. It's all cynical, cynical fear mongering. No, I completely agree. Lindsey Graham's introduction of that, which it, it, it's it's actually more lenient than what it or kind of matches what you see in a lot of European nations. But the whole thing, I thought it was clumsy and awkward for him to introduce that at the time when Republicans already had a victory and it was already back to the states. What this move, though, does what what this going back to the states does and why Democrats are so mad is it, it, it exposes this huge weakness in their whole abortion grift operations, however you want to say it, because for so long they focused on everything at the federal level. If Democrats had been really, truly concerned about women's so-called health, uh, about access and all of this other stuff, they would have moved mountains to make sure that this was uh, protected, if that's the word you know, to use at the state level. And they didn't. They didn't push this at the state level to make sure that there were some sort there was some sort of plan B, no pun intended, uh, in place should something like this happen. And the crazy thing is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as you know, Maiden, Megan, was was Ruth Bader Ginsburg was warning people that this was going to happen. I mean, she went right up to the line of saying, you know, we, you might want to look out because at some point the logic of Roe v. Wade is going to be challenged because it's predicated on something that's real. It's a bad argument. It's just a bad mm -hmm. argument. She was 
wasn't the only justice or only female legal expert who thought this, who was also on the left. But Democrats didn't pay attention. They focused everything on the federal level and they wanted to fundraise off it. So they're out here scaring women, saying you're all going to die in the back alley with hangers, but they're not going to do anything at the state level to, to shore up their position. That was a complete and utter failure on their part. And they're trying to pin it on Republicans. But the bottom line is that this is classic Democrats. It's hurt and rescue. They create a problem. They make their base a victim of it. They make their base suffer. And then they turn around and act like they have a solution. But it's not really a solution. If you listen, it's always just a complaint or an attack on their political opposition. And they fail their base time and time again, which is probably why they're having this crisis of spirit right now. Because after midterms, Democrats have to decide, are we going to go full socialist because the moderate thing's not working? What are we going to do? So they have that they have that decision to make. And I think the the abortion issue, they fumbled on it badly and it shows. Now, uh, in terms of the fear mongering, it, it's gone next level, really. I mean, you can sense the panic. It's it has it's untethered now. And I mentioned it in the intro to the show. Um, presidential historian Michael Beschloss on MSNBC with an important warning. I know you're a mother. I'm a mother for all the mothers out there and dads for that matter, too. Take a listen, because the stakes are way higher than any of us knew. Listen. Chris, six nights from now, we could all be discussing violence all over this country. We could be six days away from losing our rule of law and losing a situation where we have elections that we all can rely on. In 50 years from now, if historians are allowed to write in this country and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which, which I'm not certain of, but if that is true, a historian will say what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the <laughs> edge of a brutal authoritarian system, and it could be a week away. <laughs> because people won't vote Democrat? Because this, this is like that. Uh, what is it? That Antoine guy that they did that. They called him the the bed intruder viral video where he's like, oh, my gosh, hide your, hide your husbands, hide your wives, hide your kids, because they're snatching everybody up in here. He just did that <laughs> politically. That was that what that answer was. That was oh, crazy. Nobody's God. like if historians can write. Who's no, this? no Who's more press. This? And you're, you're, all the children are going to be killed. <laughs> okay oh my gosh everyone's gonna die cats and dogs living together level. mass hysteria that <laughs> is hasn't happened it is not gonna happen these that that's what they're offering megan to your point that is exactly what they're offering instead of any kind of solution that's what they're okay, offering is, meanwhile you and i are just sitting here talking about it and chilling and just you know wondering why they're freaking out like this yeah like divided government is really not that bad a lot of americans tend to prefer it as a matter of fact and yeah. by the way it's guys like that who make uh these these evil election deniers believe that the left is capable of anything if you put that guy in charge of a ballot box and there are millions just like him who feel that way, right, who are, who are that untethered on the far left. If you put that guy in charge of a ballot box in a, in a swing district in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, right, what do you think he's going to do? Would you trust him? I wouldn't. Yeah. Listen to how he's Especially talking about the stakes. If, His kids are going to die if the right wins. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you genuinely believe that the lives of your children are at stake and if people don't vote Democrat, they could die. That could actually make you act in a number of different ways that maybe yeah. aren't so cool. I mean, if, when when the president sits here, President McUnity sits here and talks about <laughs> lowering the rhetoric or, or, or maybe kind of, you know, uh, moderating the tone a bit. 
I just, it's a wonder that they don't address, because there are so many people like this guy, some of them in elected office, they never take the time to address the words from these kinds of people. I mean, that's just, it's ridiculous. It is, it's incendiary. And it's almost like they want violence. He sounds like he wants violence. He wants something, anything in or th that can be used as leverage to get Democrats into office. They wouldn't have to do this. They wouldn't have to get emotional if they were just like a regular Democrat party that, mm -hmm. you know, people kind of grew up with in the 70s, 80s, and yes. 90s. Remember well, those days? Halfway 90s. So um, he's not the only hysteric. That was MSNBC. But let's take a little meander over to the Mouse Network, ABC, right, owned by Disney, where now this kind of talk about Republican women is absolutely fine. I give you Sonny Hostin on The View, SOT 10. I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid. Oh, my God. I just remember those same females getting very, very upset when I called out women who used birth control as abortion and considering from Planned Parenthood's own publicly use available use abortion as birth control. Yeah, hidden, hidden on this thing called the Internet. I mean, women who use abortion as birth control, uh, that's like the majority of Planned Parenthood's customers. And when I remarked on that, and this was in the context of the Herschel Walker thing, and we were talking about how you want to you want to win the seat. Democrats are very eager to win seats and control the Senate. So I don't feel that Republicans should have any same shame in admitting admitting the same thing. But it was interesting because talking about abortion as birth control on demand, taxpayer funded, any criticism of that was considered to be uh, quote unquote moral rot from those women. But when if you're a woman and you are exercising your empowered free choice, because I thought that that's what so-called feminism was all about, to be able to have choices, even if they differ from the choice of another woman, the decision of a woman to vote Republican makes her a roach. I just Only the white that's ones. The, that's the and white I noticed that none of ones. them had that. Sorry. Right. Only the white suburban ones who are going to vote Republican. That's it. Everybody else yeah, is what not is a that? roach. What is that with that? That's racist because there aren't any black it's women disgusting. that vote Republican. This is, Democrats have tried to trademark and patent everything from being female, being gay, being Hispanic, being Latino, being being a, a, a woman, being whatever, a, a black American, whatever. They've, they've tried to patent and trademark absolutely every single thing. This is why Joe Biden felt so confident in saying, well, if you don't vote for me, then you're not really black because no, that's kind that, of their party line. You, you're onto some. If she if the, if the data, because I presume she's referring to the Wall Street Journal poll that came out yesterday where they had an article yeah. two days ago saying that uh, white women had swung uh, blue to red 27 percentage points in the last couple of months and now are net positive towards the Republicans by 15 points, uh, white suburban women. If that same poll had said black inner city women had swung to the Republican Party, let's say by 10 points, there is no way she'd be referring to them as roaches. That's bullshit that she feels fine taking a shot like this at white suburban GOP women, newly GOP and not because uh, she knows she's going to get away with it. It's disgusting to analogize any human being white, black, wh whatever. But she's she loves to hit Republicans and she loves to hit female Republicans. And if they're white, so much the better uh, as yeah. roaches. Now, that's not a bridge too far for ABC that wants us to go watch their funny little morning crew and go to their stupid little park. But if you're a white Republican woman, you're a fucking roach. Sorry, but that's disgusting what she said. 
No, it's offensive. It's offensive. And I think it betrays a number. Well, I, I first off, I think she sounds racist. Uh, it, it, that's the moral rot. If we want to have a discussion about moral rot in the society that we're still it's 2022 and we're dividing people up by color of skin and ethnicity and everything else and and, and trying to and, and blasting them if they're not voting for voting for how we want. But here's the other thing. When when you look across the country and making your mom, you, we, you know, you've you've dealt with the lockdowns, you've dealt with all of this stuff. When you see all of the parents and particularly the mothers that were standing up when their kids were being forcibly masked, when schools were locked down, when their kids were going through loneliness and they were suffering academically and losing all of this time in schools and everything else. And you had all of these parental groups, a lot of them ran by women of color. In fact, I've, I've sp spoken to, I don't even know how many moms at this point, uh, Muslim mothers, uh, Indian mothers, Asian mothers, white mothers, Hispanic mothers, black mothers. And not every single one of them are a you know, card carrying member of the RNC. A lot of them are Democrats. They were motivated by what is in the best interest of their children to vote Republican. People were voting for candidates like Glenn Youngkin because Glenn Youngkin provided a way out for their kids. He provided an opportunity for their children. This is we're seeing this all across the country. And so to reduce the struggle of American families to reduce the struggle of what mothers have been dealing with with their children for the past two plus years to an, a really insulting racially charged put down like this on the view is inexcusable it's insulting and you know what i think that she owes people an apology Sunny she Hostel does owes people an apology the view owe people an apology this she is ridiculous i don't want to hear any apologize. lectures from these broads about anything related to herschel walker or anybody else when they're out there screaming calling women roaches because they're not voting the way that they want them to vote i thought we went you know what women have we have our own minds we are we are not one unit we all don't have to vote the same and i'm going to be damned if i'll be put down the same way that you will megan just because we want to we think differently and vote differently that doesn't make us roaches that that makes us not sheep that's what it makes us oh that's exactly right she should be forced to apologize or she should be suspended from that show it's absurd okay. that disney's going to let her get away with this you may not compare women any women, GOP or Dems, to roaches. And the fact that she feels comfortable doing that on a platform like ABC mm. News tells you everything you need to know about that network. They need to step in or the judgment is on them as well. Stand by. Yeah. We've got a lot more to get to because here's what happens. When Democrats come forward and say, I am thinking about voting Republican for all the reasons Dana just said, the left goes into complete denial. They attack and demean, you're a roach, and or they deny it and say it's not happening. Well, reality's coming on Tuesday, but we'll give you the latest example of Stephen Colbert trying to call out uh, a Republican candidate for governor in a way that came back to bite him in the you-know-what. Dana Lash staying with us. Don't go away. All right, so let's meander out to Michigan, where Tudor Dixon, the Republican, is neck and neck against the Democrat Gretchen Whitmer. It's getting really interesting. And Tudor's got a lot of momentum. And by the way, he's going to be on the show on Monday. Um, so Tudor Dixon, in a debate against Gretchen Whitmer, tells this story about a Democrat she talked to who's changing parties, who's going to vote Republican. And we've seen it across the country. That's why the Dems are in such trouble. This isn't just motivated Republicans. This is motivated Dems who are going to pull the lever for Republicans in some cases for the first time ever. I've been talking about the New York polls where um, Lee Zeldin's looking very good right now in a way you never would think possible against a Democratic incumbent, Kathy Hochul, at the Democrat at the gubernatorial level. 
the poll showing him ahead now is two to one Dems to Republicans. So uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of crossover Dems voting for for the the red team. Um, So Tudor points this out in a debate and Stephen Colbert, no one's funny man, decides to call bullshit. Well, that would come back to bite him. Watch this. Here's uh, here's Colbert on Tudor. Dixon's not the only one worried about this issue. So is this guy she totally made up. I had a gentleman come up to me just a few nights ago and he said, I found content in my school library describing how to have sex to my son. I went to the Democrats and I said, I cannot believe that this is in there. Okay. (laughs) Fine. That happened. But even if it did, if someone found a book they didn't like at a school library, why would they go to the Democrats? That's like saying, excuse me, is this Chuck Schumer's office? I didn't like the finale of House of the Dragon. Also, this natural peanut butter is way too oily when it's in the cupboard, but it gets too hard when it's in the fridge. I'm voting Republican. Good day, sir. Then, for reasons all her own, Dixon continued. What these parents are talking about are not textbooks that will help children learn about themselves. These are books that are describing to children how to have sex. She's right. We looked it up, and there are a lot of classic children's books teaching kids about doing it. There's where the wild things bone. (laughs) If you give a mouse some nookie and green eggs and butt stuff. So funny. So hilariously funny. For those of us who've been paying attention, they're pushing this nonsense in K through 12 classrooms and libraries across the country. It's actually really disturbing if he would just bother to pay attention. He's wrong about that. And he's wrong about the non-existence of this person who went to Tudor Dixon. The man's name is Khalil Othman, and he is real. And so is his story. And here he is speaking at a Tudor Dixon rally in Flat Rock uh, from October 21st, Saturday. I am a proud Muslim American who express my values and concerns all the time. And as you guys know, you will know the numbers more than anyone else. Still one has been voting Democrats blue for the last decade or two decades. But not anymore. Wow. Denial is not a very affection, effective election strategy, Dana. No, it's not. And that I think that what's happening in Michigan is amazing on that issue. It's like Democrats worst nightmare. You have Muslim Americans and Christian Americans that are banding together to stand against this stuff. And I, I've seen this kind of before the deflection from Democrats it, when these examples, they're real parents that are that are coming up that are bringing these issues up. And Democrats pretend that they don't exist. They do that at their own peril because a lot of the people bringing this up, like this guy was saying, he had voted Democrat for a long time. Now he's voting Republican. I, Colbert should actually apologize to Tudor Dixon for A, not being funny, uh, and then B, for being <laughs> incredibly wrong about this situation. His, I mean, it was just cringe. I felt like I was watching, like, you know, your awkward uncle make a joke. It was just, uh, <laughs> but, you know, to the to the point, I mean, the the books that they have, like, there was a, a, a mutual friend of, of mine that uh, her daughter in junior high found and this was just here in texas you know just down the road from where we are very conservative county found a book that actually was a graphic novel novel 
uh, and it it actually showed illustrations of oral sex. I mean, I couldn't even talk on air about what some of the book mm-hmm. it had in it because I would be fined by the FCC. But you could have it in a junior high school library, and it, it she's a real parent, and it existed, and she had photos of it, and her daughter found it in the library, and then all of these other parents, making as you know, we're checking what was what's in our kids' libraries. It wasn't just high school either. I mean, this is like seventh grade. It's inexcusable, and as you said, it has no academic value there's it's just there's no academic value at all whatsoever to it it's all just cultural conditioning that's all what that's all that it is and for Stephen Colbert to to make fun of it I don't even know if he has kids I mean if somebody jumped on that landmine and made that happen you know good for them but I don't know if he's got (laughs) kids I I don't know what his situation is but it sounds like he might he might not have a lot to do with them if he doesn't realize that this is going on in libraries and schools across America you know just here in New York City this year, it was 2021, there was a scandal at this Tony private school, Dalton, where they were showing the kids masturbation videos. There was a whole little how-to book with erections and how they work and what to do to make them feel good. I mean, if he's not if he's not aware of that, he needs to read different news sources because this is a legit problem to where I've said it many times. Virtually all of my friends are Democrats. (laughs) I grew up in New York State. Like, they're almost all Democrats. Um, they don't they, they're not in support of this bullshit. The answer is not to deny it. Any reasonable person when shown this stuff would say that's horrifying and it needs to be removed right now. The fact that the woke left doesn't like it. That's a different story. Most normal people would say, no, 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 that's not OK. And Stephen right. Colbert doesn't understand like he's got some normal Democrats watching his show. It doesn't help him or anybody to just be in denial about electoral prospects or the facts about what's happening to our children. Exactly. And for the left, when the left always says, Megan, oh, this is about free speech and you guys are book burners. No, no, no. This is about parents being able to vote up or down as to what is in their kids' libraries. We're not out there saying, you know, ban Mark Twain or, you know, going after the cat in the hat, which is that's what or the ban left this likes book. to do. This book yeah, can we're go talking for about sale. Porn. This is porn. Yeah. This can go for sale on Amazon or wherever you want to buy your book. But don't shove it on my kid in first grade. That's different. I get yeah, to on taxpayer in. dollars. Yeah, that's a totally different scenario. Now, we talked a bit about the press and how dishonest they are and how much they loathe Republicans. Um, I have some good news. I have some good news. One of them just got fired. Tiffany Cross, the most racist person in all of television and in particular on MSNBC, just got fired for Tiffany. (laughs) Tiffany, um, apparently, okay, hold on. I want to read you the, it just came out. This is what they say, that she... This is per variety. Stand by. Uh, Okay. There's been speculation that her relationship with MSNBC was becoming frayed, according to one of the people uh, with knowledge. Uh, They were growing concerned, the executives were, about the anchor's willingness to address statements made by cable news hosts on other networks. She sparred with Tucker Carlson all the time, yours truly as well, and indulging in commentary. Executives did not feel met the standards of MSNBC or NBC News. I'll give you just a couple of examples of some of her greatest hits. Um, Recently, I called her a dumbass because she she commented on Tua, the (laughs) Miami Dolphins quarterback. She was upset when Tua got hurt, the concussion thing, which I was upset with, too. But she went she took it racial. She was like all these white owners making these black players. Tua is not black. And the owner was or the the coach was not white. Um, She blasted Republican members of Congress as white supremacists. 
a day after the Wisconsin jury acquitted Rittenhouse. Okay, somehow that made the the Republican members of Congress white supremacists. She called Rittenhouse a little murderous white supremacist. She said we should all be concerned about white replacement. It is, after all, a very threat to our survival here. White replacement can strangle culture. Thought we weren't supposed to be talking about, quote, replacement theories. Thought that was racist. Right. Then she came out and said on the Capitol insurrection. I know they love that term insurrection. Some of these folks she wanted to point out were white women. And I know we're talking a lot about Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, but I do think that some of the white women who have adopted this ideology uh, need to be discussed. Is America ready to face the fact that some of those folks look like people they have elevated and put on a pedestal of being untouchable? What do you say about this wing of white women who have been radicalized and are enablers to this very dangerous domestic terrorism movement we've seen increase quite rapidly? I could I could give you 10 more that are way worse than any of these. That's just what we pulled in a simple Google search. So. Joy, oh joy, Tiffany Cross is gone. I had to really think hard and remember who she was. <laughs> Nobody admittedly, knows. Because I totally, no. I mean, she, I, I remember who she, because she's nasty and I know she went after you a lot too. She, yeah. She's, her whole show, if memory serves, the content is just essentially a YouTube section, comment section, right? I yeah. mean, that's her whole content. It's just one angry YouTube comment section diatribe. That's that's her whole entire show. I can see probably why, Megan, it didn't offer much value to the network. It's kind of hard to sell ads on, you know, some Karen screaming about, you know, all of these grievances that she sees everywhere that don't actually exist. And she doesn't even have her facts straight on half of it all the time or any of it all the time. I just I think people are tired of that kind of I think they're even tired of it on the left. I mean, I I think the only people maybe who watch that stuff or are AOC and then the squad. Those are maybe like that's their that there's their ones, their audience. (laughs) Nobody Joy Reid watched that. her show. And yeah, I mean, it's it's absurd. But I you know what? My I tip my hat to MSNBC and NBC for doing the right thing, because as I said, your class, she was I just she was I think the it's most hysterical racist person well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> So she's gone. Um, we'll see about Sonny Hostin. Let me ask you before I let you go. You mentioned your segment on The View or not your segment, but you made a comment about in defense of Herschel Walker. And you were like, I don't care. I'm voting for him anyway. We want control of the Senate. And they went after you. We have a clip of that. And I'd love to ask you about it before we before we wrap up. It's SOT 11. If the Daily Beast story is true, you're telling me Walker used his money to reportedly pay some skank for an abortion. And Warnock wants to use all of our monies to pay a whole bunch of skanks for abortions. First of all, ma'am, there's a lot of women who find themselves in the position of having to have an abortion. How dare you call them skanks, first of all. And I believe the whole point is that Walker is saying, I believe that this is murder. I believe that and has paid supposedly for women to have abortions. That's the point. If you're going to if we're going to have these discussions, please stick to them and not go off calling people names because I'm keeping calling you a name out of my mouth because it's not the right thing to do. Now, right. It just exposes the the moral rot that's taking over my party. Like I listening to that, I can't can't defend that for a second. There, I, in, as a pro life woman, to hear someone else like Dana, who is pro life, call women who get into situations where they need abortions skanks is just shameful, and I will not defend that. 
It's so weird, mm. Dana, because I did not hear Whoopi call out Sonny Hostin when she referred to women prepared to vote mm. Republican as cockroaches. She 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 doesn't like name calling because I heard it just yesterday and she didn't say anything. No. And what is with this women who get into situations? You don't trip over something in your house and fall down and get pregnant. That's not how that happens. <laughs> Thank I God. Mean, it's definitely <laughs> recreational activity, which leads to pregnancy that is terminated electively. That's what we're talking about. Shame on them. And they and they absolutely do need to call out Sonny Hassan for this. But this whole I mean, I think it's kind of skanky to not understand how biology works. If they want mm. me to triple down on it, I will, because it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I, mean I, look, I don't have praise for women who use that as as a form of birth control, particularly choice before conception, all about it. I don't know why their party opposed uh, over the counter birth control pills. I, I mean, I find that I find it to be a moral rot to not comment on the loss of life and to use that as a tool, uh, as voter outreach for women and to use it as a form of of birth control for sexual recreation. And then for them to call women who vote for Republicans as roaches, but that's that's okay. But commenting on loose behavior, and that's what it is. I'm not gonna sit here and coddle it and be like, oh, well, women who find themselves in situations, did y'all miss biology class? You have sex. You have intercourse. There is a physical activity that occurs. And when you consider rape and incest are less than 1% of all of those, we're talking about the wide majority. There is an action that takes place. That's what that is. You don't just find yourself in a position. No, you have sex. Oh my gosh, we're grown ass women. Okay, but that does not make us skanks. (laughs) Wait, we cannot dismiss as skanks any woman who has premarital sex. And look, it is. Oh no, no, no. We're talking about women who are constantly using abortion as birth control. I do. I mean, I could say murderous, but so I felt like I was being generous by saying skank. Well, we don't know whether that's the case with Herschel Walker's. We don't. We have no idea, actually, what, we, what, yeah, that was what the my relationship point. Yeah, we, was We have there. no idea. And, yeah. Megan, since when do we go and believe everything that the legacy press immediately says about a conservative candidate? I don't. Maybe like like that Tudor Dixon made up that story about the voter who was switching right. from Dem to Republican. I mean, was that? Oh, right. wait. Uh, well, wait. His clarification. Maybe that'll be in tonight's super unfunny monologue. Dana Lash, right. it's always fun <laughs> to talk to you. I miss talking to you more often. Let's do it again soon. Yes. Good to see you, Megan. All right. You too. It's time for another edition of the MK Mailbag, where I read some of your questions and comments on the air. You can send them in to Megan, M-E-G-Y-N, at MeganKelly.com. And while you're doing that, don't forget to head on over to MeganKelly.com to sign up for our American News Minute, my weekly note to you that comes out every Friday. We're getting great, great feedback on it, uh, and I think you'll get a kick out of it and information. All right, let's get to the first email. Uh, I got a couple of comments in that I thought I'd mentioned from uh, yesterday's interview with Dr. Robert Gary, the guy who was defending the um, his position that COVID began in nature with an animal and was not manufactured in that Wuhan lab. Um, here's one from Anne in Connecticut saying, listen to the doc- listening to the Dr. Robert Gary interview. My head is about to explode. Hang in there, Megan. This guy is so full of it. He stinks to high heaven. The, the viewers were not a, like big fans of Dr. Gary's, but I still am glad that he came on. Um, all right. Question. Cindy Edwards writes in, have you read any good books lately that would help us make sense of this crazy, fastly changing world we are living in right now? I've mentioned it a couple of times. I got an advanced copy of it. Spencer Clavin's How to Save the West. He's read everything. 
He's done all the research that we haven't done on history and Socrates and Plato and all of them. And he's condensed it into life lessons that we can apply to today's problems when it comes out, which is, uh, I think, February. I just looked it up. Valentine's Day. Buy it. Give it away. Read it for yourself. You'll see what I mean. Um, Okay, Jay writes in about White House press conferences, and a lot of people ask about these. At White House press conferences, the press secretary gets a question. In most cases, she never answers the question. Why doesn't the reporter press the press secretary by stating, you did not answer the question. Please just answer the question. Almost every time the reporter just lets it pass and it drives me nuts. Please clear this up for me. Jay, you're exactly right. Uh, They should do that. If it were me, I'd be sitting there saying that's not an answer to answer my question. Is that a yes or no? I'd stay on them for all the time I had. There does get to be a point at which you've got to cede the mic to the next reporter. So realistically, you probably only get one chance to press on it. And if we really had a good press, the next reporter would say, I want an answer to Megan's question, too. And they just stay on her to the point where she realized there was no dodging. Maybe someday we can always hope or dream. You would have thought they would have at least done it during the Trump years, right? They're all united against him. Why didn't they at least do it then? Nope. Uh, They don't want answers. Most of them are looking to showcase and wow you so they can have a viral moment. It's sad. Thank you all for joining us today. Next week, we are all in on the election, including our very first Megyn Kelly show, election special. Tuesday night at nine, we're going to bring you the results as they come in. Plus, instant analysis and reaction from friends of the show like Dennis Prager, Barry Weiss, David Sachs. You're going to love it. Download the show in the meantime and go to youtube.com slash Megyn Kelly, where we will be live on election night for you. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.